0: The only places I had been in the day of the loss Mima and here, I didn't go shopping that day, and sit there for that day, and put my wallet. Okay, so this is what happened. I had to take my passport with me to go to Baltimore for the wedding, because I didn't have anything. So, today I decided, okay, except my husband, I'm going to do Reverend Mayor Balanese. You know Reverend Mayor Balanese, right? Yeah. So, they have, but I don't have a Reverend Mayor balinese stucco box. Not that you need one, but I just wanted to be sure I did it right because I'm desperate for my wallet and I'm leaving town down tomorrow. So we went to Dr. Mayor Balané's website and they, you know, you say the fila and then you donate a certain amount of money and my husband said, let's give a little more than we would because I really want you to find your wallet. (laughs) (laughs) I come in tonight, I go into my office to get the box of all the stuff and sitting in the middle of the desk in there is my wallet. Now, he searched for it that night that I couldn't find it anymore. He came to show and searched. I've been in my office meetings, wasn't there nothing. I walked in now less than ten, 10 hours after I did the Ramayana and sitting in the middle of the desk. Okay. They also did it at the airport where they give you like the ticket, and then if you don't have the ticket to
1: come out of the airport, they'll charge you like a million dollars because you could have been there for ten days and they wouldn't know.
0: You is park. You you parking. Parking. Like a Israel,
1: like a parking ticket. Oh it's like, yeah, yeah. It's in America, I think but I, I couldn't find it. I, went, I just wanted
0: to pick somebody up at the airport, so I don't there for like an hour. Oh. I, a ticket, I started freaking out and I
1: did it, and then I picked up the person, I got back in the car, and it was like <laughs> There you go. Okay, is this working? I did it a couple times, and didn't find what I was
0: looking for. I know.
1: <laughs>
0: you, didn't give a, you didn't give enough money, Russi. Russi, you didn't give enough money. <laughs> I gave more. <laughs> okay. Now it just goes to show you that when you do what you're told to do, it works. So please pay attention. <laughs> okay. This is from Hazon Ish. We said it last time, but it's very important because we're doing this. This is what we're doing. Please hear this. Okay. Avabusharsham <laughs> at the root. Ain kan mida achas tava umida achas ra'ah. There's only one good character trait and one bad character trait. you remember this? Yeah. Please yes. hear this, because this is what we're doing. the bad midah is, has nacha es When you ignore um, your life, you just live it the way you feel. Whatever comes up, that's how you respond. Okay? Ubuli kohish and without any effort, a person who's living that way, the He will become complete in every evil, evil midak. Kasan I love this line. He will be an expert angry person. No kingsuyun. A perfect expert revenge taker, Gei a, mitsuyan, a, a, a arrogant, excellent arrogant person, the and continue and on. There will not be lacking one that our chachamim listed. Not one thing will he be lacking. Now, what are we doing in here? We are trying to understand the voices that we have in us, the fears that we have, the temptations, the, the pressures, so that we can just think about them, recognize them, and slowly but surely step forward and Stand in the breach before those ones. So we're not doing that bad thing. So we're not going to be expert or expert deez or anything. We're going to be just not expert in any of the bad midas. We'll be really poor in all of the bad mitas, and that's a nice thing. The hamita hatova, the good mita, he ha has kamba hamukhletes. When a person makes a decision to prioritize the, his seichel, the understanding of how a person should behave, against the taiva, the desire, the impulse, the immediate response. And <laughs> <until> from this point, <laughs> he's fighting against all the evil midos at the same time. When you make a decision, to not just let it rip and to stop and think and try to adjust, adjust, control, <coughs> manage our impulses. That is the way you achieve the highest Midatova. But what we're doing is even better. What we're doing is even better. I'm going to quote Janie Feldman, again. we talked about this late on Hanukkah when we got together at night. So Janie had surgery on her knee, and after she had the surgery on her knee, Barak Hashem, she recovered very, very quickly. And the doctor was amazed at her progress. True, Janie, yes. He was amazed at her progress. He said, this is like, people aren't even at this point, but he months, <laughs> Something like that, right? Close enough. <laughs> so I said to Jamie, Jamie, how did you do this? How did you get ahead of the game like this? And she said, I went to PT before the surgery. I strengthened my leg before the surgery. What we're doing is strengthening ourselves so that when the moment we're torn between the us and the tztaka, or the tztaka and the us, or this force, this oscillating, this is constant oscillating forces, and we're caught in the middle, and it's blowing and blowing and blowing. But if we go to PT before that moment, we are strong and ready for that moment and we have already made a decision in our minds we're living carbonated we're aware we're thinking we're preparing ourselves and we're laying out a plan we started with our vision now someone who creates a vision in their life is not someone who was just allowing their lives to go according to what are you doing here She has two little twin babies, and she's, see, now that's a person who is not letting herself react instinctively. I just reacted instinctively when I saw her sitting here, and I said, what are you doing here? is probably not very nice. I'm sorry, she's all red now. But you inspire all of us, Kanae Hara. She's the twin expert, Kanae Hara, at this point. Okay. It's what?
1: she vac- this is vacation right now. Right,
0: right. I'm not going to ask you some with the kids. Okay. <laughs> okay, so you understand what we're doing. Any work that you do on your vision, any work you do on the impact of, of what we're going to do today, also, is, is, is find that place. Let's go back. Who was here last week and heard the story about the world citizen that stuck up? Okay, so let me repeat it just so that you'll, just so that you'll get on it, because it, it's a very good way of holding on to it. So, my grandfather's at Sao when he was a very young boy, went to yeshiva, to the, to Svobotka. And the author of Svobotka was a very, very amazing, unbelievable shaper and builder of personalities. Many of the giant leaders of, of the past couple of generations were his students. So my grandfather was his student, and became like a child to him. And he uh, wanted to shape and build my grandfather. So um, for a long time, my grandfather, Rev Ruderman, saved up a penny, a penny by penny, because, of course, he didn't have any money. He, um, he saved a penny by penny by penny because he wanted to buy himself a pair of wool sitzes. Because really, ideally, the best thing is to have wool sitzes. If some people wear it, even even in the summer, other people wear the cotton ones in the summer. He wanted a pair of wool sitzes and he saved up for a very long time, and he bought them. And then when he came back, he, he saw the altar, the altar is gone and he said to him, I saved up and I got mahudr well, de katsitzes. I got the best kind. I got the world katsitzes. So the altar said to him, "Maybe you should have gotten cotton and saved the extra money and given it to So of course he was like, "I don't know. I did the wrong thing." So Rabbi Yitzchok Isaac Shear, who himself was a giant, who was a son-in-law of the altar, happened to hear this, this discussion. And he came over to my grandfather, and he said to him, don't take it personally. Because if you had bought cotton sixes and given the rest of the money, to the author would have said to you, why didn't you get world sixes? So the point is, he was training him to be in the place of tension, the place of being pulled, to think, what is the right thing at this moment? Because sometimes we we have to go back, so we have to talk again about the Ratzon and the sechel, which we talked about a lot in our last series. What we want to do is always be thinking, what is pulling me to do this? Where is my Ratzon, my desire, my will taking me, and where is my sechel taking me? And that's why on the page where we talked about drawing out your, um, your vision, well, we didn't do it there, it's, it's, in your, it's in your booklet, the last page in the booklet, underneath where it shows the page of your vision, it says, check in with your rutsam guided by your seichel. So, so we have to understand that too. So, so the point that I'm saying here is, we are following what the chazonish said. We are not just impulsively living what feels good, what feels right. You know, that, that, that's when we listen only to your rutsam. So let's stop here for a minute and go over this because we, we want to move on to step two, okay? I don't think we finished step one, by the way, uh-huh. but we're going to move on to step two because it takes time to process all this and, and tweak it and get it right. So um, here's what happens to us. As part of the pull in each direction, we get pulled by our rotson and our sejah. Let's understand what that is. Each person has a rut zone, a will, a desire, that comes from the neshama. Comes from the neshama. This is we talked about this in the last series, and it's a desire to do good things. As a matter of fact, honestly, I'm just going to you're, you're going to argue with me, and I'm going to argue with myself. But let me just say this: those people who are who are pro-Palestinian think that they're pro-Palestinian because they have rachmanes, they have mercy on civilians who are being killed, and when you see things in the paper or you know, in the news or something, they show the rubble and they show the child with the blood all over, your heart constricts, you feel bad for them, and you're saying, Why are they doing this? They have to stop. That comes from the rut zone. Now, a rut zone can be very, very perverted, as you see. Another example of rut zone this happens a lot with yeshiva, let's say yeshiva boys. A boy goes to yeshiva. And he wants to become a tremendous homosthomy that is he learns every single minute and he won't look at anything in English and he won't go to play basketball. And he spends every minute of base measures and he stays up very, very late at night till three in the morning learning. And then he wakes up at seven o'clock so he can go back to learn again. And he starts to judge his parents. They're not from enough. And he won't eat this because they will only eat the minimum. You know what I'm talking about? The kids get very black and white. It's their rut zone. They want to be good people. It's a beautiful thing. But what happens, they collapse, and then they don't want any of it. This happens very often, right? So the good rebbeim are on the lookout for this, and and they're on the lookout for this, and they'll stop the kid from doing this. There are some very big people who've got into this mode, and very bigger people told them, you're out of your mind, stop doing this. You're not up there, you're here. You want to take it step by step, fine. But that is where the Ratzem is, is running without the Seichel, without the intelligence. The Seichel, the analytical part of us, that piece that Kodesh Baruch Hu gave us, that makes us human, must always be in control. And so our job is to have the Seichel and the Ratzem work together. And that's why we need to keep learning. That's why we need a, a quote from Hazor Ish. That's why we need a quote from the Chavez or from the Gemara, or this or that. Without Torah, there's no judgment. You don't know which is the right thing to do. So as we put together our vision, it's crucial that it's a realistic, to a degree, normal vision, because you, if, if you were a, a yeshiva bachar and you wrote in your vision, I'm going to be the gadol hador, and I'm never going to I'm never going to look at anything but a sefer, and my whole life is just going to be about Hashem, and my tabum is going to be perfect, and that's not guided by the sechel. That's not a vision. If you can hope eventually to get there, but honestly, I would say that that's a very self-focused vision. Instead, he could say, I want to do, I want to become someone that really tries to devote myself to learning. And step by step I spend more hours learning as opposed to I'm gonna be this perfect person. You know what I'm saying? The vision has to have your cycle in there too. It's very important for us to, us to say. Now, I just I'm not gonna ask who did it, but my hope is that you took what we talked about last time, you started working on it a little bit, we made a pretend vision on the board amongst a lot of discussion. And I hope that each of you made a vision, and then looked at it, and then tweaked it and made a new one, I made a new one, and made a new one, and keep, keep making new ones and new ones and new ones. What we're going to do now is we're going to take one tiny detail of your overall generalized vision of who you want to be, and we're going to create the next step, which is... Make you, Identity. It's on page nine. We are going to talk about identity again. In our last series, we spent time on this, so we're just gonna, just gonna let us let, just talk here for a minute. Is everybody with me? Am I saying anything that's doesn't make sense? Are you with me? Yeah. Please do.
1: Yes. i right. Right. Yes. The next yes. part is yes.
0: to bring in the, endos, the right. day, Yes, time, okay, so she, she, I was waiting for someone to say that when I said it, when I said it has to be realistic, I was thinking, okay, somebody's gonna say what you're supposed to dream. You are supposed to dream. So So. So. I think in your original vision, lay it all out. Just, just lay it all out. Your thoughts can go crazy, but then you're gonna tweak it right we're going to tweak it because that's it's going to be hard to take steps to get to that really big vision and it's true I believe that we can all achieve it I know we can all achieve it but we want to do practical things now so yes let your circle run let your button run wild get it down there and then we're going to address things okay so the next step is identity now we discussed the fact that you can have the best intentions and you can have an idea of things that you're going to be doing. Like, okay, I'm going to wake up half an hour earlier than I do and I'm going to do this and this and this every single day because that's so important and that's how I want to do it. Unfortunately, if it's not in alignment with your identity, it will never stay you'll do it one day, maybe two days, maybe three, and then it's gone. Because anything that's not in your identity, your mind won't believe and it won't allow it to continue. Now you can begin to see how important identity is. However, on the other side, our habits create our identity. So if you start from your vision, you have this vision, and then you take one piece of the vision, we're going to practice that here, and you say to yourself, I'm going to put in place the things that a person whose identity was such and such would do, then you have a very big chance of this happening. So I want to go through and just show how all of this works, okay? It's a little bit complicated, but we're going to try to do it. Now... There are some things that stop me as I'm trying to shape this identity. I hope this is working. Because it changed the I know, picture. I just want to make sure it's still going. Okay. So, so is identity connected more to the what's on the cycle? That's the problem. Identity have to do both. Both. It's a, function of both. it's a function of both. Anything that's healthy and that you're going to move forward and grow is a function of both the rutsen and the seichel. You know? Like, the whole idea of euthanasia. Euthanasia is a big thing now in the hospitals, you know, especially with geriatric patients. That's, that, that, you know, a doctor will say to you, well, this person is 90 years old and she's suffering terribly and, you know, let's just Let's just give her some more of this drug, this painkiller, this and that'll slow down her heart rate and then she'll slip away. And that comes from a rut zone, to be kind and to spare a person from pain, right? It's totally against the Torah. Thank God we have a Torah that tells us what's right to do and what's wrong to do. Because it's easy to believe that. Why should this old person who's in terrible pain or discomfort or whatever, why should they have to suffer more? They've lived their life. Why should they have to suffer? Let them die okay. But that's against halacha. Now, there are certain things you can ask, you know, at certain points. Do we have to do this? Do we have to extend the life the life? So you ask Shiloh, because we don't go by feelings. We go by halacha. Right? the Gershem, who was taken, who was kidnapped. There's a big discussion right now, a horrible discussion. He was kidnapped, and uh, the Jews were asked to. We did a play about this years ago, unpaid uh, ransom. They, they were asked to pay an enormous sum of money to get him back. And he said, It is usher to redeem me. You may not redeem me. And they always tell me, and they begged, and they said, We're going to somehow find the money. No, you may not redeem me. Why? To do They'll do take person. the next person. Then the next person, the next person. He didn't allow them to redeem him. As a matter of fact, he died in prison and it took ten years. They wouldn't release his body. One very wealthy person after ten years decided, I'm going to pay to, to, to get his body back on the agreement that I get to be buried back right now. And and they accepted that and once Ravena Gershim's body was released, this person died the next day. Oh, nice was well. buried next time. Mm. So, you know, if people are talking a little bit but you see what it does, you know, when they take hostages. Now our hearts are broken for the hostages. We want to take the hostages back. Of course we do. But you understand that all they have to do is take hostages and they have So that's why you need a Torah. Because we can't make decisions like this. Not that there is some shyless. I'm just saying these are really tough things. Life is full of very tough things. And so that's why we want to train ourselves. Who am I? What am I living for? What are the forces that are pulling at me? What is my job in this world? What does Hashem want from me at this moment? How can I train myself to, to, to... Restrain my impulses at the moments when I want to. i got to do the PT ahead of time, so I'm strong. My muscles are strong. My is strong. My is strong. And I'm able to resist tremendous forces if I do the PT. That's what living carbonated is all about, and that's what we're trying to do in here. Okay? So, please respond to me if I'm saying something that does not make sense or is bothering you, please. Yes. I feel like it's maybe not always clear when it's
1: the restaurant and when it's the zither.
0: Right. And that's why. And that's a question. <laughs> gonna end with a question mark. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. But that's why. That's exactly why we want to lay out a plan when we're when we're quiet. That's his bone and We talked about that last time. So it means sitting down quietly and thinking and writing. That's why the writing is so important. For instance, you say it's not always clear what's the same, what's not, what, what is the intelligent part of it. Let's say you take the time to look at one piece of your vision and and you say, here's the spot where I am in the tension. Here is something that is always a pull for me in each direction maybe it's anger, maybe it's procrastination, maybe it's jealousy, maybe it's depression, maybe it's, I don't know, it could be a million things, but for you, it's something that really bothers you, right? When you're not in the moment of tension, you write about that piece, and you do the impact exercise on that place of tension. You know what I'm saying? Let's say you're someone who always procrastinates, and because you procrastinate, all kinds of things happen. All kinds of difficult things happen. So you sit down with a piece of paper. First you look at your overall vision when you wrote everything you want to be. And I assure you, one of the things is that I am a person who does things right you know, with reasons. I don't procrastinate. That's your vision point. That's your tension point. Are you with me? So now you do the impact exercise with your tension point. What is the impact of procrastination on my life? It causes me self-hatred. I'm down on myself. I I, I, I get very tense and upset. And the rest of the day, I can't function because I realize what a disaster I'm making with my life. And uh, what is the impact on my relationship with God? What is the impact on my relationship with my husband? What is the impact on my relationship with my children? I didn't do the laundry. I procrastinated. I was going to do it last night. I was going to do it the night before. Now my kid's going to school and he doesn't have any pants right? So what happens? My whole house blows up. Everybody's upset. Yeah, mommy, you never do the laundry. When you say we have to do our homework and you don't even do the laundry, you know, whatever it is, right? And your husband was counseling you to do something. You didn't do that. Then you were counseling you to make an appointment for something that had to be taken care of. You never made the appointment You end up losing $500. It's because I'm such a procrastinator. What is the impact on me, on my relationship with Hashem? on the people in my family, on the people in my community, on the people at my job, on my friends, on my parents, my whatever it is, you write the impact. And you're brutal, and you're honest. What's the impact? Next, if this continues, what's the future? And you write down exactly how this is going to develop into the future, leaving many people on the way because you've let them down and you've created tension, right? And your relationships are a little bit more tense. Get that clear. Because if you get that clear and you're looking at yourself in the face, Barak Hashem knowing that you're able to grow and that you're doing the work that the Cheson is just talking about. It's on this page, you're not just letting yourself go according to your natural impulse to procrastinate. And it's hard for you. Now that becomes your little mini-vision. My vision is... I become a person who gets things done on time, even ahead of time. Your self-esteem will absolutely balloon, right? So now, what's my identity? I'm a person who does things on time. And you begin to take the steps to start believing this. Now, yes. So sometimes,
1: and for sure for like certain points of tension, um, I feel like the spiral can be in how focused you are on the negative impact already. Like that's what you can stuck in your negative behavior.
0: So it's true and it's not true because when you're in that, you're just obsessing, and obsessing, and obsessing about how bad you are and what a disaster it is, right? When you sit down to do the work, you're doing it in a place of calmness and objectivity. Yes, of course I feel bad, because look at the impact. And now I am a person who wants to correct that. I'm not stuck in that. I'm doing this work so that I can move out of this uh, belief of who I am and move into a new one. Do you remember the term cognitive slumber that we talked about in our last series? Here's what happens. Cognitive slumber. What does that mean to you? Cognitive slumber not aware. We walk our whole lives, well, we may be aware, but what we're doing is we're stuck in our beliefs about who we are, and we let those beliefs drive our lives. So let's say, I mean, look, you're talking about, yeah, but you just keep thinking about how bad you are because of that thing, and, oh, that's who I am. That's who I am. And the more you believe it, the more that becomes your identity, and the more you will act the act. We have limiting beliefs. I'm a procrastinator. Who says you're a procrastinator? We don't know where it started or why. You know, I've been in education a long time. I know my kids procrastinate a lot of times. Sometimes it's because their parents are so pushy about doing their homework that they won't do it because they don't, they can't, someone else is telling them what to do, so they can't do it, right? Sometimes, they just don't feel good about themselves, so they can't even start. I'll do it another time, right? Sometimes they're afraid to reach out and use the resources that are, that are there for them. There's so many reasons for a person to procrastinate. It doesn't mean that person is a procrastinator, but what happens is if you do it enough times because of your fears and this and that, then you begin to view yourself as procrastinator. Once you view yourself as procrastinator, No amount of habits, actions, and practices, if you're not aware of what you're doing to yourself, will enable you to step out of that. Your your belief will take over and drive everything. You know this, yes? So what we wanna do as part of our work is we realize the identity we've taken on in so many areas is just an illusion, it's not true. And now together we can learn how to override that identity. But now I want to say something very important. A lot of these things that we believe about ourselves and that have become our identity are based on fears. So we did that whole thing. We were trying to ask you each year when you were upset about something. Quickly just jot down your fears. There was a lot of resistance. What fears? What I do fears? I, I do I don't have any fears. I I I don't feel any fears, right? So what we don't realize is that our fears are what built this untrue identity. Because I became a procrastinator because, let's say, my mother kept telling me to do my homework. I would do my homework, but telling me what to do. I'm dealing right now with a a, a young woman at a high school grade whose mother is such a helicopter mother that she can't get herself to do anything in college because her mother is helicoptering her, right? So she's, I don't know that she's by nature a procrastinator, but she's become. So, there are fears that push us to take on certain personas. I'd like to say something about fear. Okay? Everybody has fears. Most of the midos raos that you see, the poor traits that we have and that we have trouble controlling, come from Fear, we are afraid of different things. Now, we have also indicated in our learning that those things that are negative about us come mainly from fear. Take a look at page four in your booklet, okay? Let's look at your booklet. So, in your book, do you want to borrow one? Just one. We have some you can just borrow if you have another one at home. They're over there. Okay. On this page, who might I be if I don't pay attention? Which by the way is what the Azanish is talking about. We don't pay attention. Mm-hmm. Right? Are you with me? Are you holding? Hold here, because I want you to live here. Who might it be if I don't pay attention? Oh, I'm at a distance from a Hu. The minute I'm at a distance from him, there's this huge gap. And what worms its way in? Fear, anxiety, negativity. Look at her on the left. Let's look at some of the things she's saying. Um, I'm so unhappy with who I am. I'm so jealous. I'm so angry. Jealousy and anger and unhappiness come from fear. I'm not good enough. I can't do what she does. I mean, I don't have to go through the whole list. You know this yourselves. Nothing ever goes right for me. Is that really true, that nothing ever goes right for me? I can't get out of who I am. I have to blame other people. It all comes from fear. So. There was so much resistance to so I want to tell you this little thing. I mean, talks about this? Here's something that happened. I don't know if it was the 1956 war in Israel or the 67 war in Israel. But what happened was a bomb fell on a pipe, um, on a gas pipe, in a neighborhood in Jerusalem, And when it fell on the gas pipe, it exploded. And, of course, a fire broke out and the entire neighborhood was threatened. And people were screaming, they were panicking. It lands right on a pipe, a gas pipe. Pshhh, fire all over. People are their their bannishing to help them. A few seconds later, a second bomb falls. This really happens. And it lands on a water pipe.
1: And it explodes
0: the water pipe. And the water starts gushing all over. And it puts. Everyone's talking about this. If Hashem wanted to save us, why did He send the bomb on the gas gas pipe? He was going to save us anyway. He didn't want us to burn down. Why did He send that first bomb? So that's what they said. Fear is, as a matter of in 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 says that a lot of times Hashem will put us in a position where we are medically afraid financially afraid, all different kinds of things where we don't know what's going to happen. We're very nervous. We don't know what's going to be. And there's a purpose to that. Because, says our tzadr, Hashem has a lot of bracha to give us. And he needs us to move forward, to come to him, to dive into him, and to trust him. And in that merit, he's able to shower us with all of the brachos. So the same thing when the bomb landed on the gas pipe and created this huge fire it was an opportunity for the whole neighborhood to turn to Hashem in hopelessness because there's nothing nothing to do take a few buckets of water it's not going to handle this but then a bomb on the water pipe it was such an open way of showing us how Hashem runs our lives it doesn't always look that way to us but you can see that Why not look for the fear that you have? It's an opportunity. If you can find out what it is you're afraid of, now you can deal with it. And then it no longer leads you into these places where you believe that you are a certain kind of person. That's not true. It's worth looking at your fear. And we resist it, yes. So, I, I honestly, I have a theory about laziness too. I don't think most people are, are are generally lazy. If you look at little children, they don't stop. They Don't stop. The world is exciting. There's so much to see. There's so much to do. When we can't get ourselves to do something, I think, personally, there's a reason for it. And probably, there's fear there. So, If you allow yourself to be pulled into the laziness, you become, what you think? A lazy person. I don't believe people are lazy. They may have been told they were lazy by their parents, and so now they think they're lazy. They may have been constantly harangued to do things, and they're not, so now they're lazy. They may think that they can't succeed at what they do. They may be depressed. They may be afraid of something that's going on. They may be worried about a relationship. Human beings like to do. Everybody feels good when they accomplish what they do. And sometimes even just washing the dishes in the sink you feel better. Okay, I took care of something. I know my mother, Ella, Shea, she, she was terribly nervous about anything, she'd get up and she'd start scrubbing pots and dishes in the kitchen. You knew something was wrong if she was in the kitchen scrubbing, scrubbing late at night. That's the you know, but I don't think people ignore, are, do you agree with me? Do you have a theory about this? We, we take on such personas, and it's not fair to us. And I really think, here's my other theory, a lot of our pain in life comes from the fact that we don't allow ourselves to be as great as we were meant to be. We tamp ourselves down. And a piece of us says, I'm not this small. I'm not lazy. I'm not jealous. I'm not mean. I'm really a big person. You're keeping me small. You're telling me to be afraid of life. I don't want to be. And and we do this to ourselves our whole lives. Gazonte, <laughs> we limit and limit and limit ourselves. And that can be that must be ultimately painful to our being. Because in our being we know. We know we're much bigger. I think that's where a lot of pain comes from. I could be wrong. It's just what I've seen, what I've experienced, what I what I see, because I, I I meet with people and I see how big they are and I see how they're limiting themselves. Yes. Is
1: there two different categories of pain, or, or sorry, not pain, but fear? Meaning you're you're in a car and you're driving and it's a, a rainy night and you're going on a curvy road and you're afraid. That the
0: yeah, we talked about happen. this last time. Yes, there is the real there's danger. And then there's the other fears. They're, they're, they're all related. And so what we said is that we are, of course you have fear, and that's a healthy thing, but even at that moment of fear, you want to do the PT ahead of time so that you trust in Hashem that he's going to help you get through this, and you do the best you can to protect yourself.
1: But it's like when you're driving on the road and you're in that situation, what, what need uh, is that that you've got that you're not facing, that's making you afraid of?
0: No, it's that's not. a normal, healthy fear. No, if a good. bomb falls you're afraid, you should be. You're an idiot if you're not.
1: Okay, so we talked
0: about walking in an empty parking lot late at night. Right. You should be afraid. right? So you do what you take, a thing of mace. Get a security guard to walk you, something. That's fear. You see, these other fears are the use of the, of the mima of fear in the wrong way. So we want to use fear when it's appropriate. We want to use it to cling to Hashem. And believe that he's there with us. And the more you do that, the more indeed you will see that he's with you and protecting you. I found my wallet. I found my wallet. I got into life, got it. I found my wallet. I got it. You drive more carefully. Just, you drive more carefully when you carefully in the the situation. Somebody had
1: their hand up. Yes. But, but we also said that um, there's a halakha that you can't go into a war.
0: Fear. So yeah. wouldn't that be that kind of fear? No. 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 Because that's, that's a different thing. Now, a in the Torah is that when the Jews are engaged in a war, you're not. A, one myth says you're not allowed to be afraid in war. You have the soldiers, Jewish soldiers going to war. You're not allowed to be afraid because you have to understand the Kodosh Baruchel is running it. Nobody has to die. He will make you be successful. Um, that is a very high level of the mind. If a person is afraid, the Kohen would say, if anybody's afraid, please go home. And that person would go home. Because he realizes, first of all, the Torah says if somebody is afraid, the, the, the fear will spread to other people, right? And secondly, you don't have the protection of Pitachem. Pitachem is a tremendous protection. Tremendous prote- protection. So, so um, it's a different thing. That's when you have a i don't know that nowadays going into war is the same we have the same that we had in the classes going into work right
1: so i guess ultimately i'm just saying that the premise essentially is the same if you're if you're taking the ideal version of that and you're flying yeah. into the parking lot and the car mean if you have that on the and then you don't have that here essentially but to make I mean, is it really two you know, it's a
0: really different type of fear. And it waits not. You know, the, 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 the risker Rub. when he was in Warsaw, at the beginning of the war, when they were bombing and bombing and bombing Warsaw, you know, the, the Nazis were bombing Warsaw, like everybody was being destroyed, and all night long people were running into the shelters, and he, he got into his pajamas and he went to sleep. <laughs> and he said, if I should the Messiah, I'll die. It, it, it's fine. I'm not Because it, to run all night to the shelters and this and that, he wasn't able to focus on his, what he had to do. He just—he was not afraid. He wasn't afraid. He just wasn't. That's a very high level. The thing about the toughness is that, all these different levels, we're not required to be at the highest level. It would be good for us if we were, because our lives are different. But we are required to work on it. And we're going to talk about it also when we get to. Hopefully, we're going to talk about it tonight. <laughs> um. But I want want this all to be real clear. As we work towards our identity, we want to be sure that we understand that we've got fears that are in the way of choosing an identity, and we have um, limiting beliefs that are in the way. Okay? Yes? How do you help yourself for not spiraling down into depression? Because if you're
1: saying all these fears are going to lead to this, 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 I can imagine, wow, even your journey of that something took me down a dark path like that's really like i would think that it could be
0: dangerous to, to look at your fears
1: yeah you know, but what you were saying is
0: well, how that will lead me if i keep on doing this going that, like you mean you're saying it, let me be clear I know what you're saying if i find out that the one place i'm really pulled is procrastination and then I, I do the impact work on procrastination, mm-hmm. and I write down what will happen in the future if I don't change this. And so you're saying that that could lead you into depression.
1: I was, I was even just scared by the reality. I guess the reality, maybe we're just oblivious to how these fears are regularly affecting us. So I was like, wow, that's really like, scary.
0: So the idea is when you expose them to the sunlight, you take them out of the inside of the dark place, you put it on the table, and you look at it. You know, there's an exercise where you take something that's badly, badly upsetting you, really big, and you write about it on a piece of paper. And then you look at the piece of paper and you say, you know, this has a beginning and an end. It's not so big that it's do over my life. And you see it for what it is. Now, that doesn't mean you've resolved it yet but it has, it has brought it down to size. Hey, this is something I can deal with. I can get help to deal with it, I can talk it through. The more we get it out from inside, where it feels like this giant hairball but can't really identify the different pieces of it, the more you identify and get it down there, okay, now I'm ready to deal with it. It's the same thing with the fears. If you write them down, you see a pattern of the kind of fears that you usually fall into, right? And then you say, okay, here's my pattern. I'm so happy I discovered my pattern because I am bigger than this. These fears are not going to defeat me in my search for life, in my choosing of life. They're not going to beat me. I'm bigger than these fears. I don't know how to deal with it myself. I may need to talk to somebody. I may need to get some professional help. But this is something that I can deal with instead of hiding from it and saying, well, I'm a procrastinator. You understand, we have a choice. We're very comfortable in the persona and the identity that we took on that came from our fears, right? Are we comfortable there? Now if I have to start looking at it, oh no, I'm gonna feel really bad about myself. But maybe it will be freeing. Maybe I can be courageous enough to get it out of here and onto a piece of paper and then share it with a friend, you know? I realize that I have this specific fear that keeps coming on me, and it has caused me to be a procrastinator. What should I do about it? Talk about it with another person. It doesn't even have to be a professional. Talk about it with someone you trust. who can say, I don't, I don't see you in that way. Those fears that you have, I know they're in your head, but I don't see that being true about you. And then you begin to see that you can argue against your fears. It does take courage, and that's why you need a hapura. Because we can't do this alone. You can't fight a war alone. You have to be part of a battalion. Because he has this ability. He's a great gunner, and he's a great sniper, and he's a great guy who goes ahead and finds out if the thing is clear, and all together we make a great fighting team. But I can't fight in Gaza, in a neighborhood, by myself. And we sit there trying to... We don't even know our enemy, for heaven's sake. All of this is a way of learning our enemy. And so you look at this booklet. I look at this booklet sometimes. I just look at the cover. Okay, my job is to fight the natural impulses, cling to Hashem, overcome a and my natural thing is to just ignore this problem. But for this moment, I'm going to try to be Listen, I want to tell you something. I shared this with, with the teenagers recently. I think I can tell you this, and then I don't know if we'll finish what we were gonna to do tonight, but I think this is an important thing for all of us to know. We don't really believe in our own greatness. So we read the PyRShell a couple weeks ago where Shrem ben Hamor, Shrem, from the city of Shrem, the prince kidnapped Dina. You all know that story. Yes? We talked about it a little bit last time. He kidnapped her and he violated her. And he was like the, the most prestigious prince in the city. He was the one that everybody looked to. He was like a very russian person. And um, you know the rest of the story. They killed him, they killed the city. Mima Shina had uh, Dina had become pregnant, and she gives birth to a little girl, and the little girl's name is Asmas, a baby girl, beautiful little baby girl. Now here's the problem, Asmas is her name. The problem is that the family of Jacob, which is establishing the moral code, the refinement, the kedusha. For all of the generations and for the world to see, can I have an illegitimate child in their midst? They wiped out the city of Shchem because this can't happen in Yaakov's family. But here you have this little baby. What does Yaakov Adinu do? He takes this baby and he writes on a piece of metal or something. This is in the Medrash. The story of what happened, who she is, that her mother was kidnapped by Shchem Betchamor, and and that's her identity. I don't know if you would call it an amulet or something around the neck. He folds it over, it's a metal piece, and he puts it around her neck. And according to, I saw one measure that says he put her in the walls of Mitzrayim, and another one says he put her in a bush. Regardless of what he really did, (coughs) why he did it, I mean, we could talk about that. Potiphar from Mitzrayim, the one who later has Yosef as his slave, is walking with a group of uh, his, I don't know, slaves or his cohorts or his colleagues, and they hear a baby crying in the wall. And he goes and he takes. They find his baby, and Potiphar opens up the thing, the metal thing, and he reads the story and he says, "My gosh, this child is from the most illustrious family in the world." And he takes her home, and they raise her. So she is now the daughter of Potiphar. And she's the daughter of Aschuz or the woman who's going to try to seduce Yosef. And she is living in the heart of impurity and materialism, and a of Zara, in the time. She was a baby. She never had a mommy show her how to light the candles for Shabbos. She never heard about Hashem. She never was taught about bonitos. She didn't know about giving tzedakah. She didn't know about Shabbos. She didn't know about cautious No education. No education. She grows up, and she happens to be home when her mother tries to seduce Yosef. And she doesn't say anything. But when Potiphar, her father, comes home, and he wants to kill Yosef, she goes to his part of their home, and she knocks at the door, and she says, I was a witness to what happened. This is what happened. So when he heard what really happened, he put him in prison instead of killing him. And the made a decision at that moment that because she protected Yosef, she would be the mother of, the, of some shvatim. But I just, just just, think about this for a second, okay? Who is this girl? She ends up marrying Yosef. She ends up having two of the 12 shvatim of Khan Yisrael. And every Friday night, when we bless our sons, we bless them to be like her sons, Ephraim and Manashe. Now go explain this. What's the point of Kinoch? She didn't have any. How did she turn into this holy, incredible woman? What's the DNA? Identity. You know, she didn't have anything to do.
1: But she, in a way, she did from her surroundings. So had she been raised uh, in her birth family, she would have been looked down upon as an illegitimate child. But now she was raised from this other family where she was looked at as the daughter of an illustrious
0: family. But she didn't have you're right, it's a great point. That's a really excellent thinking point. And it's worth discussing. No, it really is. But she didn't have the training. No. But well, like Bluma just said, you could call it DNA. She was a child of Abraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, Leah. That's who she was. Can you, like, she you not know. Not till later. I don't think, maybe, maybe, I think she didn't know until she got married to Yosef because her father had to produce the thing that was around her neck to show that she was kosher for him to marry. But the point is, so I said to the girls, you know, there's so much coming at us, and it's so hard, and you're teenagers, and you can't always work on yourself every minute. So I said, what about if you just had an usnas moment? Will you take a moment during the day, and you say to yourself, I am as I have oddly something awkwardly me. I have generations of Jews that died of Yiddish Hashem, that lived up Yiddish Hashem, that gave their hearts and souls to serving Hashem. I'm I'm the child of those generations. So I'm at least as good as Asnas. So let me right now live in an Asnas moment. And by the way, that's identity. The other things cover it up. They cover up who really am. I'm Asnas, and just maybe for this moment I'll have an Asnas moment. At this moment I can believe that I am a child of Iron, and I will act in that way. I am holy, I am focused, I am calm, I have self-control, I am living for a purpose. I feel like Shem surrounding me and supporting me with His love. For just this moment, it's an Asnas moment. And that's my identity. We see we're believing so many lies. There's a beautiful thing Rabbi Yishe Ber says. A lot of times when we're davening, we think, "Why would Hashem listen to me? I'm I'm not a good davener. I'm not a good this. I I don't have good amigos, I let myself fall into bad middos. I don't. You know. You know we all have problems, right? Why would Hashem want to listen to me?" He says the words, "Mi ma'amaki," which is "Kuf to "Mi ma'amaki" from the depths open by itself? Okay. From the depths, in the depths of my being, I am that asmas. In the depths of my being, I am a beautiful soul. When I call to Hashem from the depths, He responds to me, from my deepest part, that can never ever be damaged. It can never be made dirty. So we have to realize this as we start our identity search. So yes, so as you, listen, we have a break now. I'm assuming that you're all gonna do your vision work, your dream vision work. I'm assuming that you're going to take one tension spot, and you're gonna make that a vision out of that tension spot. And that tension spot, let's take procrastination, I now train myself to think of myself as a person who gets things done in a timely fashion, okay. But also remember that the, what you tell yourself about your identity is mostly lies. You are this new person. No, I mean this. This is who you really are. You don't want to be the procrastinating person. And then we have to t- do the steps, which I I had a few. We we're going to start with tonight, but but it's already late. So. Um, Listen, Kuf Lamid 130. Just the line Mima Amaking, Mima Amaking, from the depths. I'm calling to you from the depths, Hashem. Not from my persona as a procrastinator, Not from my persona as a jealous person. Not from my persona as a comparing person. But from the depths from my being, that greatness that you have implanted in me. I'm dominating to you from there. And then you can be sure that he's listening to you. Because that's how he, he sees you as, as us, not as the person you think you are. And that's why this identity stuff is so important. And what, what we're going to start to do is, we talked last time about habits and practices that that person would do. We're going to talk about speech that that person would do. Language, 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 which where it all is. But we don't really have time to go into that right now. But I, I meant to do that tonight. We were going to do the three... Three pieces, <coughs> starting with thoughts and speech, then habits or practices, and talk about each one of those.
1: Write
0: down me prayer also for It's one thirty. It's the and one thirty, and the opening words are me ma'amaki. Okay. Next time, I'm going to give you uh, um, some pages that will take us through this. But just at least now, we're, listen, do your vision. Take one tiny piece of your vision that you really want to work on. Do the impact writing. This is what this problem that I have causes me. This is how it makes me feel about myself. This is the impact it has on me. This is the impact it has on my family. Then just expand that to everybody you know. If I keep on with this particular issue that is pulling me and pulling me and I can't resolve it, here's what will, it will continue to be the same, and maybe it will get worse, but here's what's going to happen. So um, I get the impact of this. Now I'm ready. Oh, okay, I'm going to develop an identity around this thing of procrastination. Here's who I am. And now we have to work on creating and living into that identity. Because habits that come that are identity-based last and make a difference, as opposed to habits that are outcome-based, not based on our identity and how we see ourselves. Okay, so now let's hear from all of you. Let's talk about this. Was this confusing? Do you understand the work that you want to do until we meet again? Can you work on this in a kabura? Can you like how can you use this and move forward i want to send you out in the weeks that we have till we start again knowing what to do yes rebecca just on that last point you made,
1: can't it be that your need is getting in the way or other things are getting in the way it's not that you're that the habit that you're doing is not in, not
0: in line with your identity but it's just of course it's on you to right so how do you know <coughs> with your identity or your job is going to be to create an identity and fight the Sahara as you practice that identity you will turn into it if you speak that identity, if you think that identity, if you practice that identity, you will turn into it, it says the Sefer through actions a person can be Mamis the Sahara. a person can destroy and kill the Sahara through the actions they take so if we choose an identity, and we speak the language of that being, and we practice the thoughts of that being, and we do actions that that being would do, we will become that being. See, we don't believe that. You wanna know how to change it in a group. That's how you do it. Thought, speech, action. Thought, speech, action. In a group where we're encouraging each other, here's my new identity. How would a person who does procrastinate think about this job that they have to do? Help me. Give me some lines that, let's say, I'm a chabura now, and I'm asking all of you. I'm a terrible procrastinator, and I'm not anymore. I'm a person who gets things done in a tiny fashion, and I enjoy it. What kind of thoughts do I think? Somebody, tell me what kind of thoughts I think. I just got a job at work that I have to do, or I'm part of a project at Shul and I have to take care of the things that I have to take care of. What kinds of things do I say to myself? <clears throat> I can't <laughs> do this. I'm not going to be. I don't want to hear start. those. Oh you no. want The new one. You I want mean, the new one? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you, my kabura, <laughs> tell me how to think. What like what language should I use in my brain? I'm an organ. Gonna... Gonna... I, right, I, I can. I can. I can. Chop this up into little pieces, I can chunk it. And I'll just do this today. Tell me what to think. You think
1: they proud so of
0: yourself? Why? Because you overcame something? I didn't overcome anything yet. I'm oh, asking you to help me overcome it. Oh, okay, sorry. I, I will, be, I will you, be proud. I be of myself. Give me something no, that'll no, work no, no, in no, my brain. No, 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 so, okay, what can I be proud of in this whole
1: exercise that you that you set up for? It, um, a nice way to look at the tension point so that you're not feeling horribly, like what she was saying, depressed the bad or whatever. is to see that tension point as your inner
0: child who had a coping mechanism that she used <coughs> in order to get through something. Mm-hmm. And now you're the adult and you're like, look, thank you for your you help for your service. I see now why you did this. And I now know. I want to take you by the hand and get you here. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, that would be a positive way of doing it. We're not telling yourself, oh, I'm so horrible, but you're, you're being honest, and you want to be honest, because it's the child in you. Right. Mm-hmm. For know? sure. This should not be a negative thing. Right. We are. You're 100% right. We are not talking here about negative. All of these things that we develop, like we were talking about procrastination, my way of surviving my mother, which is not true. This is I'm making this up. My way of surviving my mother, because she didn't need my home. And so I didn't. My brother, <laughs> I, my mother was she every day said get your homework done right away right away right away why aren't you grading the right so I I just went into procrastination and that worked for me it made me be able to survive my mother but now that I'm an adult I get to choose who I'm gonna be and it's not working for me that's what the impact thing does it's not working for me I want to I want to live a full life and I don't want to be subject to all these limiting beliefs. Why should I be? Why can't I be who God made me to be? And then it's it's, a, it's an empowering thing as opposed to, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad. It's a very important point. We can't, this should not, if anybody's walking out of here feeling like they're going to feel bad or depressed or overwhelmed, please call me and we'll talk it through because that's the opposite of what we're trying. That's the old, that's the fear just getting you. That's the voices. That's the it's a hurt. That's just the fear. It's just the fear. We don't have to live with the fear. We have God. We have Him helping us at every moment. Yes, Leslie. So, why are we focusing on the
1: fear? Why not just focus on, why do I have to figure out, like, why I'm a procrastinator? Why can't I just figure out how do I get to be? You can. What's the, like, what's the one word? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Lackery 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 Lackery. Lackery. <laughs> okay good question okay somebody, ta- leslie wants to know why do i have to uh, why do i have to identify that there are fears here or even know what they are
1: like some of us don't oh, know thinking about you don't really i understand have. because you may <laughs> want to go from a to b something gets in the way and you don't know what it is and you have to find to that the thing roots. that it is that fear
0: yeah. oh, okay. right so that you, you see because all right robin right because once I see that fear is I can say, oh my gosh, that is so stupid. I can't believe that's what's going to run So
1: I can't like stick that stuff? <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know, why are you afraid of, of finding your fear? <laughs>
1: Everyone likes to look in the negative. Like, it's not you know, negative. No, because then, like, then you, can, like, you can be, like you start thinking about like, okay, so procrastination is something that's kind of like a, a hard thing. Like a lot of people procrastinate, it's not something to be so, well, it depends
0: how much
1: you're I guess, but like, if there's something really about you that you want that you're like down on, it, you could like spiral out. I'm not a spiraling out kind of person because I don't like to think about this kind of thing. But I think that's where chaburah can really
0: help. Chaburah, I'm going to take you in a second. Chaburah can really help because if you're with people that are there to support you, and you say. I'm realizing I don't even like looking at my fears. Why am I so afraid of looking at my fears? And everyone says, you know what, but I realize this is what I tell myself. And if I can become aware of what I'm telling myself, I can now answer to it. Or I can tell it, like you said, thank you, you've been there for me. But you know, we're actually, page 13 mm-hmm. is, is a we're doing a thing of how to talk to the critical voice. Yeah. So we, we're gonna get there. And the, you realize how much fear we have mm-hmm. about discovering fear. look at it, and how much fear we have about identifying something about ourselves that's not what we want it to be. We have that fear, of course we do. You know why? Because our rutzon wants us to be very good. And so if I find out that in a certain way, maybe I'm not as good as I would like to be, that could be crushing. Our rutzon, to be good people, gets in the way of looking at things with our secha, identifying it, and now? working on it and I can see myself making progress. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um I shared some fears with my Kabura,
1: and someone in the khura did not relate at all to my fears. Like completely at all. And they were even they like your fears. They did not relate. Oh, well, they, they did agree. not validate my feelings. They were like <laughs> What? And in a nice way. <laughs> and, um, and, but the, that person was able to just like zoom out and give me a perspective that I didn't have before. And and just like they literally took that fear away from me. One two really and that one khabura. Like, no, they they they, they just explained it away, like 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 what are you saying? Like, like they just explained to me why that fear was not based in reality. It why she showed me the evidence of how that fear was irrational. And it it was like, and I didn't want to believe it in that moment that she was really taking it away. Like I've been holding on to that one for a while. Like, but I walked out on a cloud, and like
0: she really She really, really took it. She said an important uh, word here, which is something we're going to talk about. A very important word evidence. When you find your fears, your next job is to say, Where's the evidence that this is true? Is there any evidence? Now, what we do tend to do is gather evidence to show that what we're afraid of is really there. But when you start looking for evidence. I had evidence. I shared it
1: with her. Right. And, And she just, she did. It's, it's it's make Better evidence. Better evidence. <laughs> better evidence. But there were, even, like, other people were talking about their fears, and I was like, oh my gosh, I have that one, too. And then I was excited to to let it go. Like, it, it became, like, this weird thing of, like, now I wanted to find, like, we let's talk about this more. Like, what other stuff am I holding up to that I don't even realize is just weighing me down. You should have a video this session. I'm mm-hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> not going to share my fears right now, with
0: everybody. but
1: if you want to call me privately, I don't mind sharing. Okay. But,
0: um, You're going to share your painting Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: Share your vessels with the barbie I'm going to share them? my friend's vessels. <laughs> no, because you have a great vessel of being open and willing to look at yourself and let go of the lies. I was
1: here to
0: let go, right? Of and like, like it and is it really gone, or like, yeah, it's really you. actually no, no, are <laughs> oh, <laughs> <to laughs> Okay, now well, I'm have <laughs> no. at some point. I also have to
1: So I'll give you one example, okay? We get so many emails from Zaka and this one and that, one. all these, you know, and they mean well, and they're trying to, you know, motivate us to give to their tzedakah because there's tragic, awful things. And like, you know, I read some quote, and you know, I'm just opening my email, I'm not even reading the headlines, you know? And I open up this email and it says something like, 27% of the ages between this and this are already suffering terrible PTSD. And I'm imagining like what is gonna be with our nation? we this was like one week after October 7th or two weeks. I don't know. Like, like what's gonna be? We're just starting on this thing that seems like it's gonna go a long time. And and I'm I'm like freaking out. Like a whole nation of people just crushed and anxious and, and a disastrous and it was like weighing me down. Like how are we gonna, how are we gonna get up and go? Like what's gonna be with us? And, and the, we're suffering, our siblings, our nephews, our whatever. And there's so much fear and, and, you know. So I brought this up. Like, you know, it's so crushing and so, I feel so scared and so down. And she said to me, like, she's like, you know, we were crushed in the Holocaust too. And we had to get up and go. What did we do? We had the tahl, we got up and we rebuilt. And and that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna clean Tashem and we're going to rebuild. This is crushing and it's horrifying and it's PTSD and anxiety and all these words and all these things. Yes. And we're going to get up again. Like we can't see that now. But you know, I mean, some people have to get up and go the next day, their, their husband or their son or their, I don't know, or their grandmother or their whatever, you know? Like, they you see these people, they are they are getting up the next day. It's unbelievable, but we're, we, as a nation, we're experiencing this as a nation, and we're going to have to come together and we're going to get up, and we're going to rebuild. And it's not right now, right now we're in the midst of it, but, you know, we've been through, this is not our first program, unfortunately, and we have, to but we have evidence that what did we do after the Holocaust? We were not crushed. We're not gone. We're strong and we'll rebuild. Like, and that helped you me know, did. it helps me a lot. It helps mm-hmm. me a lot. That's one piece. There's, I had a lot. But that's <laughs> one thing that I'm willing to share. But there's more. Talk about it with your followers. I'm, yeah. I'm not it really such a nerd about, you know, doing
0: um, uh, well, is yeah, you are already it. It's really, really yeah. healing. But your homework. You Please have chavurus till we meet again. Okay. Work with your chavurah. Okay. I did. Oh, thank you.